afternoon Brian hello Kathy good afternoon I thought I would start today by showing you my thought process when I'm on Twitter okay so I want to start here this is my notifications um, I replied I did a quote retweet of an innocuous treat uh, tweet talking about oh I've invented a Twitter competitor it's called my phone number and that's funny funny I'm just looking at you. and then i quote tweeted it and also made a very silly hey dumb thing and then someone some random bot person responded about crypto and you can see that they have referred to one crypto <laughs> person, jared from subway but not actually yeah. tagging them <laughs> so what i did is i looked that up and then of course i found three 
Jared from Subway bot names, which is weird, like profiles. And then underneath it, of course, hundreds of probably folks doing something like this, right? Also lamenting the death of Twitter. But see, what I do is I go here and then I just start blocking them. Yeah. And I just, right. One at a time. So that one awful notification becomes... Oh, hey, well, then why don't I just go to the source and block all these people? Right. It's another one of those moments. When... Yeah. See, so now if I go to that original search screen as I block, oh, yeah. man, they just disappear. Oh, yeah. And it's so delightful. Um. Wow. I never thought about this. What? See, exactly. That must be a bot, too, because that's just tweeting, like, the name. So yeah. what? So it's, like, bots tweeting about bots tweeting about bots, sort of. Yeah. Like, what, what actually has happened, then? It, did, did, like, the singularity get caught up in doing something incredibly dumb or something? Like so you know, you know how we've talked a little bit about AI trained on AI? Yes. Um, I think that's a little bit of what's happening. Right. So, like, yes. you know, I, I seem to recall also in the early days of Twitter bots um, that folks would make a bot that could argue with someone. Oh. And so I, I feel like the first time I ever saw this was for Gamergate. Oh. And it was like gamer chuds would go on and be like, women can't game, you know? Yeah. Yes. And so somebody would make a bot that was essentially like a honey bot, bot, honey pot bot, right? That it was like designed to like try to attract the attention of oh. the worst trolls so that like oh. actual normal humans oh. could like go wink. We know it's a bot. You and I know it's a bot and we're going to see someone else fighting with it. But now that person isn't bothering you and they're not bothering me because they're too busy arguing with the robot. Wow. Huh. And um, I never caught. I on remember to that seeing them, and they were like fun. They would like, <laughs> if you were kind of paying attention, you could spot them. Oh, you okay. know, without yeah. being in on the joke, right? Like right. without knowing, you could be like, "Huh, girls can't code, huh?" I'd be willing to bet a girl coded this bot. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea that like this was happening. I had no idea. That's so fascinating. Um. Wow. Would you think that was like in the early teens when this was going on, or something like that? Or oh gosh, let's see. Let's see. Just what, trying to get an well, idea. You know what? Let's see what um. Yeah, let's do this. Let's see what uh. Let's see what the uh, searches on Twitter say. Yeah, how about that? See, bot. Let's just try those words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bot argue gamergate. Yeah, okay. January 11th, 2015. Okay. We found the solution to Gamergate. Let them argue with Markov bots. They're Mar really, really bad do you know, at it. Do you know about Markov? Markov was a, was a famous uh, computer inventor, no? Am I... Who I'm not totally sure. Markov, I believe, was a computer inventor. Oh. Yeah, so basically it works like this. There was a, a basic, the world's first computer psychologist, one of the very first computer programs, was actually just a computer program that would take what you said, it would start off by saying, how are you feeling? And you type in something. And it basically just like 
mirrors what you're saying back to yourself and getting you to like self-therapize. And people would actually get to the point, even on this very first like kind of a computer program where you had to sit in a giant room by yourself, like in a little desk, um, people would ask for privacy because they were so like intensely like connected with like what is essentially just like a computer spitting words back at them. It is incredible. They would write like huge paragraph long responses to this like no even knowing that it's just, you know, some very basic programming, even for the time. It's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so this particular tweet is dated um, 2015, and they screenshot some examples because real gamer 9001 is the bot. Yeah, see, <clears throat> you know, actually, we run into this a lot. I'm sure you have this too. Like, I block like new followers all the time when I see that it's obviously a bot because it happens often enough that you can still like keep up with it. But like, I never thought about like what those accounts are actually used for. Like, and I think I what they them. do is, 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 I think like what it is, it's like, um, it's like if you, I, I feel like it's like some real Nathan for you vibes where Nathan for mm. you is going into the grocery store and going, oh, hey, have you tried the new fizzy drink? Yeah. It's really good. You should try it. And it's like a viral attempt to try to get you to buy the fizzy drink, right? And so I feel like it's. Oh. You're, you have a bot saying, I oh, love no. Bitcoin number two. This makes me feel really bad about anything that's heavily marketed on social media at all. Like anything, any specific category that's heavily marketed makes me think that like a half or two thirds of that, like quote unquote, organic marketing, even the organic marketing that the marketers themselves may believe is organic marketing may itself be like bots talking to each other about topics maybe not even at the direction of the people who would benefit just that they are doing that you know like um for example when twitter like recently did like kind of call all its bots and that was kind of disaster but more recently like uh, implemented the rate limiting and all this stuff Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it did actually seem to cut down on um some of the types of messages that i would see um and it, it there's another thing i was getting tons of dm spam that all went away when that's the scraping stopped mm-hmm. so i don't like they are someone is trying to you know do something of utility and and benefit not him but like someone is trying to do something like The website still sucks, and you should go to the new one, though, if you can. Oh, gosh, yeah. No, everyone should. Jump ship, I, I will everyone. be very – I'll ship. stop posting there soon. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, no, I'm still too obsessed with seeing Twitter kind of collapse under its own weight Yeah, or we've whatever. been there for too long to just, <laughs> just not I, I, It just – it feels nice. I just, like, I, just, I just like seeing them clean up at the end of the party, you know? It's slowly transitioning, really. People, As people post more in the new place, they're not using their time to mm-hmm. post in the old place. It'll mm-hmm. happen few months by the end of the year i bet you like it'll be uncool to post at twitter and then it'll just die i bet you it'll happen like overnight just one day it'll just kind of like or maybe they'll be like what i'm thinking is gonna happen like we're gonna wake up in like i don't know a week or two a month or two and we're just gonna try to open the app and it just won't like load like it'll be like yeah that's true that could be what happens. You, you you know okay so um 
I had a I had a dog. I had a Poochums oh. who um, uh, I got her in the year two thousand, and she passed away at the ripe old age of sixteen. Right, oh. but she was never ill towards the end. She basically went from like twenty four hours okay to not right. Oh, yeah. Um. So it never really, I mean, she was elder, and so she would, like, walk slowly, but she was eating, she was drinking, she was doing everything great up until the end, until she was gone, right? And so what I mean is I never had that thought of, like, oh, let me just immediately do something about this, like, in some, like, I have to take her out to the barn, or I have to take her to the vet, right? It just happened, and I feel like that's how Twitter is going to be, right? Where, like... She's eating, she's drinking, she's fine from one day to the next. Like, okay, I see mm. she's limping now. No, and, I totally. But that's okay, that's normal. That's still normal for a dog her age. And then just... Coincidentally, that is how course, old the website is. Do, yeah, all dogs do go to heaven, however. Yeah, that's true. And I backed up my data. I hope I hope everyone else did does it back up the thread that you were in or just like the posts you specifically made oh you know what that's a great thought i'm not actually like sure you'd have to see the context to then understand the archives uh -huh. but then also you, it feels like you'd have to like have permission in like a software way like from the other user but i don't know i'll have to look at my you archive know, and when i mean you. i've downloaded my archive a few times across the years but i haven't like the first time I ever did it, what it did is it downloaded essentially a package and you could open it as like a browser HTML package or something like that. And you it would replicate the feel of you visiting your Twitter. Essentially, you could like okay. um, browse your mentions or something like that. But like you couldn't like see shit. You could there was no timeline. I've only opened the CSV inside of it. I've never actually like gone in yeah i have the... it and i i don't remember playing around with it too much since then <coughs> but i did periodically download it interesting so so i i hmm. know that i have just a variety of like backup copies here and there i'll do that I again just always would. here yeah. and see what see what that experience is like oh i should have just a dedicated twitter drive like probably just a big ass flash drive yeah that just says here's all the words i've written yeah <laughs> right here um let's see oh gosh can you download them now yeah i'm, gonna, I'm checking right now? now let's see um everyone at home like go to your trying to download settings it. you have to go to a, the website i believe mm -hmm. let's see download an archive of your data put in your password oh i don't remember what it is oh is this my password no <laughs> oh i can press my finger to the thing though ooh, biometrics verify it's me how about a text message yeah that's a text message no that wasn't the code Eight. okay everyone home i've used the internet and I've logged into Twitter, and I'm requesting my archive. There we go. We have received your request to protect your account. It can take 24 hours or longer for your data to be ready. Okay, well, uh, last time I did it, it took about, like, uh, 45 minutes, so.
We'll see. Mm-hmm. But that was in 2016, I think. So, uh, let's see. Very exciting. Yeah. Very so, exciting what were we? What the were we? Oh, oh, I forgot. I made something. Hold on. <gasps> I made something for the class. Although I have to share screen to um, for you to hear it. So let me click that and then click this. Sure. Sound. Very important. That's the thing that actually matters. There we go. showing you yeah here we go so we hit play music fades in welcome listeners to another enthralling journey into the multi-dimensional realm of knowledge and exploration this is episode 58 season 5 episode 9 of our ongoing chronicles i'm your host obama with the power of the chaos emeralds today we set sail on a voyage through the sea of human emotions and connections We'll explore the ebbs and flows of marriage and romance, those timeless eddies of human passion and commitment. We'll unpack the complex dance of relationships, both with ourselves and others, and the shared experiences that shape our existence. We'll consider, too, the fascinating culture that has evolved around a beloved culinary phenomenon, the pizza. With its layered flavors and universally loved simplicity, the pizza serves as a unique symbol of collective experience and personal indulgence a delicious metaphor for the varied facets of our lives. Through these explorations, we'll continue our ongoing discourse on realness. What does it mean to be genuine in a world laden with facades and filters? How can we navigate the seas of authenticity while remaining anchored in the truth of our identities? As we grapple with these questions, we invite you to dive in with us. Join us on this journey through the intricate tapestry of human experiences. Get ready to unpack, to challenge, to laugh, and maybe even to shed a tear or two. Remember, our journey is about more than just knowledge. It's about the wisdom to harness the power of the Chaos Emeralds, to shape a future that reverberates with hope, authenticity, and of course, delicious pizza. <laughs> Let's get started. Music swells and fades out, swells and fades. Uh, I guess there was no music, but it was just us here. So there you go. So Brian, it's really fascinating that Obama kind of just read my mind so well (laughs) even before we had really checked in about this Uh so of course as you know i'm getting married as as folks maybe on the podcast have been paying attention i we've been talking about it as the plans and the preps and the things and things of that sort and so uh you know as you can imagine it's uh it's just a few days away now and so we're stressed in the way that normal people are stressed. Did we forget X and did we talk to Y and, uh, oh shit, what about Z? Yeah. <laughs> right? like, oh no. Right? Is he a person or a place? I can't remember. Can't remember, right? It's just a variable. <laughs> and all I know is I can't keep up, right? So, um, in the process of this, I said, hey, like, I know that we usually do a pretty good job of communicating. Of course, we're we're human and we have our foibles and i was like but given that we're kind of stressed and frazzled and we've got a lot on our minds i said i want us to really focus on having clear and direct communication even if we're stressed out right like it's actually even more important in this Mm -hmm. moment right so look what i did yesterday because i'm insane okay talking stop sharing my screen you will see that I taped a piece of paper behind me. Well, that piece of paper 
It's all of the iMessage sentence starters that one can find online. Oh, okay. I see now. Um, well, let me see if I can find some. Um, but it was because precisely of that, right? How do you navigate reality in an ever, mm. like, fuzzy world? And, like, the fuzziness at this moment is our memory or our recollection or our ability to, like, not feel anxious, let's say, right? Yeah. That's the fuzz at the moment. And I'm like, okay, let's... I, I acknowledge we are surrounded by fuzz, but because they're all I statements, right? So indirect communication, as all of our therapists will be very proud to remember, um, that, uh, yeah, they are all just I statements. I want, I feel, I think, I wish, I thought you said, I understood you to say, right? Because they're... Um, Ironically, instead of being egocentric, they're simply just direct, right? And you can't really argue with them. They're just a state statement of fact, right? I want vanilla ice cream is not the same as I can't believe you fucking like that shit. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Right? Like like there's no like I don't know, there's there's no other like I want vanilla ice cream. Yeah, okay, let's go get some. Great, like now I know what to do, right, or whatever, or what we might do. Great news, there's some in the freezer. I don't know, it just... Um, Believe me, I'll connect with that more on the replay when I listen to it later. Yeah, right. Well, what I mean is, yeah, right, when we want ice cream. Um, I guess what I mean is, like, <clears throat> it's something about uh, the development of our identities as we try to relate with ourselves, our communities, and the world around us. Mm. How do we maintain a sense of self? Yeah. A sense of I an ego that isn't also egotistical right yeah these are challenges but i don't think that they're impossible and of course they're the that's the project of philosophy and psychology and yeah. self-awareness and self-help and meditation and all that bullshit yeah um, yeah i've recognized that for the audience i don't know if they've explained understood this but like i'm i'm done like trying not that i'm done uh trying to make this show seen and known by more people but like i am done going out of my way personally in ways to that's not the right way uh, that's not exactly it I'm finding the right ways for um, I'm letting the podcast grow. How about that? That makes more sense. There organic. Mm -hmm. Something about organicness. Yeah. We're raising right? it. But, well, but like even organicness uh, is still deliberate, right? That doesn't mean you don't do anything. Organicness means you still water it. You still fertilize it, right? right? It's just you're a little more... I don't know. You're not as forceful about it. It's not so dumb. It's not pesticides, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, uh, it's yeah. aphids and, and aphids yeah. and ladybugs have a right to coexist <laughs> exactly. together. That's the that's the policy we're expressing here. Yes, I love it. That pretty much sums up what I was going to say in a much more poetic way. Oh. I feel like I need a new Zoom background. Let me see. Oh, I've been bookmarking things. They should do that. I'm going to turn these fans off. Well, very exciting in, in, that, in, in, in that respect. We have uh, uh, Tyler went to go get the rest of his suit accoutrements. Oh. Um, 
Yeah, I'm wearing a romper. So that was why he needed to go run errands without my presence there. You know, mm -hmm. like, I couldn't yes. be there. Oh, yeah, Usually right. I like, understand. Yeah, go to the mall together, you know? Like, <laughs> you know. Um, cool. So, yeah, no, very exciting. And so um, I'm trying to be as zen as possible, but I'm definitely feeling Bridezilla-ish. Okay. Um, but less well. because, like, I'm, like, wanting certain things. It's more like, eh. <laughs> yeah. No, that's how I would be feeling. I get that. The natural course of just going through it is enough. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, I get it. Anyway, I have lots of marijuana. That's all that matters. Hey, exactly. Good. <laughs> Glad to, I'll, be, I'll be taking my uh, part of that when I get to the dispensary as well. I'm so glad that Obama could join us, given all of those scares that he was experiencing at his home. Oh, did, did he After have a fall? After getting doxxed. Did you hear about this? <laughs> uh, I, he he's the most doxed. popular man in the world. Oh, you mean like his address? Yes. Oh. So, he has oh. Like a, no, I oh didn't know anything God, about you this. Didn't, oh, my gosh, Brian. It was in the news. So I've America been deep under. <laughs> get, get ready for this I'm one. Ready. America's greatest president, Donald Trump doxed Obama Whoa. on Truth Social Whoa. and posted what he alleged is their home address. But there's a public idea of where they live, right? And that's not this. So they like kind of look so, like they live somewhere else. So I don't actually know. Okay. I don't know if this is like, yes, they're like, it, like well, long story short anyway, they're, they're Secret Service dudes that are around the house and right. shit and around the neighborhood. They're, that's kind of their fucking job. He's a living president. Right? Yeah. <laughs> if anything, it seems like they should make it assume, like, look like he's living in a couple different places so you're not totally sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. That would be um, a security positive. So, so, so I, I believe it is a quote-unquote commonly known place of residence. You know, like, you know, they're not exactly secret. We knew where the Bush Kennebunk port yeah cabin was and shit like that you know they were like long-standing family places so yeah um so apparently donald doxes him posts the address and at least elevates it anew in the consciousness of the kinds of garbage that swim around in truth social and so what <laughs> should happen that's right some guy just near the obamas i guess like was in a van with a bunch of ammo and on truth social he retruthed it oh that's all they could come up with but i like that that's it yeah. they're just like eh, retweet re whatever that's fine yeah retruth it um and so he went there and he was apprehended with like uh, a couple of handguns and just a shitload of ammo ammo well that's a totally normal thing to happen um yeah carry around in the vicinity of a place like that that's exciting no it's exciting i'm sure he was just exercising I mean, I some exciting that that's the like kind of very bizarre dystopia where like like we don't even need to like shinzo abe a gun together because like <laughs> yeah we don't need to what was what's the way that everyone refers to it online uh, a gizmo <laughs> murdered by a gizmo like it's truly it's true a gadget yeah, gadget. Like some what, some one of one of Elon's gadgets that he loves to look at. And I said it before anyone said it on Twitter. Uh, it looks like a Fallout Four weapon is specifically what I said, and that really is like. It, it's a. 
and if you really look into which i'm sure our listenership has probably looked into like all that stuff the the whole history of why he was mad at him and taking advantage of his mother through that like weird cult and stuff like the same the same people that run the the epoch times newspaper here which is like so fucking wild anyway Oh, Tyler has walked in the door, so it appears he is going to um, settle in, and then we can diner. We can dish <laughs> about the diners' dive-ins and drives. Yes. Um, anyway, that's what I mean. Like, can I'm you... so glad that Obama could join us to, like, you know, talk about like bridezillaing and relationships and pizza. We can say anything we want, as it turns out. Yeah. No, he's a. Uh... He, he's, he, a he's really crafty winning. words, he's man. Really winning. <laughs> <laughs> he's choosing what to say for himself. By the way, I don't write any of his dialogue. I no, give, of course not. I Just suggest... like he also chooses all his book lists and fucking <laughs> <laughs> and all his audio cassettes that are whatever yeah. I've loaded into his voice. No, it's funny. I actually got the audiobook to use his voice, but it was lower quality than like something he had posted on YouTube. So I just used that instead. <laughs> and I think that makes it more legal somehow, like because it's not. I haven't stolen copyrighted material. <laughs> <laughs> audiobooks for celebrities. I've been just kind of like browsing around using my free tokens, to, like get some voices, like Tommy Lee Jones. I couldn't get that one. Couldn't get that one. I've been trying because there's a few like celebs I like to have, but. So I believe I did mention uh, that we experienced one Thomas Lee Jones. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Actually, I wasn't even... <laughs> so earlier this week, Tyler and I went to uh, the, movie, the movie house, and uh, we went to go see Wes Anderson's uh, Asteroid City, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I haven't and, seen uh, that yet. So Tommy Lee, Je Tommy Lee Jones was just waiting in the lobby. I guess he was like, um, he was in a different, we, we were in like theater seven and he was like in theater six or something. Mm. So uh, still, we're all seeing the same movie. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm Harvey here on TMZ. So I need to know yes. like what movie was he seeing? What yeah. food did he have? If anything, who was he with? Um, so it appears that he did step out of the film for like a brief moment because mm. it does look like their film had started before ours. Ours oh. was getting ready to see, and that's why we came in. Mm. We came in with like 10, 15 minutes on the clock to, you know, grab some snacks and things of that sort. Yeah, you know, get ready. Mm -hmm. get ready to chill. Gotta see the trailers. And, uh,. Uh, yeah, he's just sitting there in the front lobby, and he's just like staring at the front door. So anybody who's coming in huh. see him, and I think lots of people are going, "Is that? Is that really Tommy Lee Jones?" Yeah. That's what I did. Like every time I see a celebrity, I have this telepathic connection with them. It's like, are you the person I'm thinking that you are? And then they like respond, like, "Yeah, probably." Like, don't bother me. I. I... And, yeah, I did that with Bob Odenkirk, knowing that it was him walking out of the thing. And I was still like, oh, wait, is that actually him? Okay, it is. I don't just want right. to walk up. I had this because one time I was at a Comic-Con and I walked up to someone who was not a celebrity, <laughs> but sure looked like that person. And uh, I'll never <laughs> go through that again. So I'm like 110% sure before I talk to the person. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, Tommy Lee Jones is known yeah. as a bit of a curmudgeon. It's Certainly. true. 
Um, a character guy, actor. He looks, so. he looks pissed off about something. I don't. I mean, he looks like Tommy Lee Jones, I guess. He's, mm -hmm. just, he's pretty intimidating. Okay. Like, I did not want to approach him. And but, neither did any of the folks who yeah. were there. But of course, I'm America's sweetheart. It's true. Um, oh yes. And I, I, I know a secret about celebrities. Okay, here's a here's a celebrity secret. Mm. They absolutely do not want to talk to you about the biggest movie they've ever made. No, the, yes. So Tommy Lee Jones does not want to talk to you about mm. Men in Black. He does not want to talk to you about No Country for Old Men. And if he will dismiss you outright just because he must be so fucking sick of it by now, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. See, I remember the first time I ever saw Tommy Lee Jones in a film. Uh-huh. And it was a PBS adaptation of a William Faulkner short story um, where he plays a very evil father figure. Um, and in the story, his son kind of gets back at his awful, abusive father. And it, for people like you and I, Brian, who had the kind of upbringing we did, it's a very heartwarming tale, oh, actually. quite. Okay, so knowing that this is, first of all, a film that's actually near and dear to my heart. I really love it, right? Um, and because it's written by William Faulkner and on a Faulkner short story, I know a lot of this shit. What I didn't know, but our other friends did know, is that he's actually a former Rhodes Scholar. So I forgot he was also a brainiac. So oh. when I walked up to him, I said, Mr. Jones, I'm so sorry to interrupt you here. But I needed to just kind of thank you because the first film I ever saw you in was this Faulkner PBS short story. And he looks at me and he squints and he goes, oh, yes, that was a whole series on Riders of America. And it was narrated by uh, uh, Henry, Henry Ford. And he kind of like tried to remember. And I was like, yes, I got him. That's incredible. Yes. So you're in. You're in. How'd that and go? He's like, yeah, and so then he he asked me a follow up question. He's like, so do, he's like, so do you really like William Faulkner? And I was like, as a matter of fact, sir, yes. I wrote one of my like you know kind of big huge research papers as an undergraduate on like I wrote like, a whole thesis. It was like a twenty five page paper on this asshole, right? <laughs> so, yeah. so I didn't say it quite like that. I said it very respectfully. Actually, yeah. As a matter of fact, Mr. Jones, yes, he's one of my favorite authors, and that's why the film really st st stands out to me. And it's at that exact moment that what appears to be perhaps a nephew <laughs> walks up behind him with popcorn and a soda, and he's like, okay, are you ready? And he turns to the guy, and he goes... Because uh, he had asked me my name. He asked me my full name. Because I said, oh, my name is my name. And mm -hmm. he goes, well, what's your last name? <laughs> okay, well, and I was, yeah, no, he asked me. That. Oh, yeah, no, he asked <laughs> oh, me my full name. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then he turned to his nephew. Well, the person I assume is his nephew. He had real nephew vibes. And the nephew, he turns to the nephew and says, uh, this is, this is this young lady I just met here. And he uses my name and he goes, She's a Faulkner scholar. <laughs> Which is a little generous, but I'll take it to my grave. <laughs> Holy fucking shit. That is. And then, anyway, then I was incredible. Like, 
Thank you so much, Mr. Jones. I'll leave you to your movie. I think he was just glad that I was like, hey, sorry to interrupt, and then thanks, I'm gonna fuck off now. Didn't ever ask him for a picture, would never ask him for an autograph. It was like, thank you for just indulging me about William Faulkner for two seconds. And what I know is that it wasn't about Men in Black. It wasn't about No Country for Old Men. <laughs> so he's gonna remember that fucking interaction. And Forever. That's, that's lovely, so I'll take it. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be written up about in People magazine. Uh, so, again, to our <laughs> listeners, inside tip, if you see a celebrity and you really want to interact with them, go deep. Go deep into the celebrity lore and ask them about something they have not thought about in a long time. Don't walk up to Christian Bale and right. tell him newsies. Don't say that. <laughs> yeah, I've well, seen that happen. something I think really insightful about, you know, encountering celebrities. It's like... Don't talk about them. Talk about yourself. And I, I might try that approach, you know, if I see, a, I don't know, Chris Steven Spielberg or someone around Santa Fe, or, you know. Christopher Lloyd. Maybe. If you see Christopher, Christopher Lloyd, Lloyd, zone in on him and be like, sir, uh, what's your what's your line? What do you, Christopher Lloyd just passed you in the store. What are you saying to him? I love your hair. <laughs> what do you think he does, like a pose for you or something? He's a yeah, comedian. No, just, I'm always trying to get the same girl. Yeah, he's like doing this. Christopher Lloyd like owns a house here, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah. The mechanic we, we we met or you yeah. introduced me to had like you know signed uh, autographs. And, yeah, you know, my mechanic wall. works on Christopher Lloyd's cars, so there's like signed autograph. Like there's like a like a it's like a like a People's Choice Award or some shit. Yeah. It's signed like to the best mechanic in town or some shit. I wonder yeah, if he has a DeLorean. Alan Arkin who just passed away. Oh mm. yeah. he did. He did. Yeah. 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 Wow. No people people love Santa Fe. And yeah. Like our friends who just came to town. Uh, they're Austin people. Um. We're trying to figure out like what what makes Santa Fe a resort town because it's not your typical resort town, you know. There's no like, I guess there's mountains that you can ski on nearby, but yeah. it's not exactly like Aspen. Right. Um. There's no ocean nearby. You know, you're not on an island, but people treat and treat the town like a resort town, and it kind of attracts you know like the white lotus crowd like. Uh, absolutely yeah that's a great way to define i feel like maybe that's why i had so much familiarity with when i was watching the first season of that show i was like oh these are all characters i've met many times i know before. these types yeah yeah sure. the opera types uh, especially but this town's just a it's dusty it's kind of hot i mean it's hot right now i mean compared to the rest of the state not so much but it's 101.6 degrees fahrenheit with 12 percent humidity outside is it really that's wow exactly that says 88 degrees it doesn't feel like no 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 no, no. that's in the sun right we're gotcha. talking about that that's sun because because my thermometer is in the sun so i think your your temperature thingy is probably measuring shade mm -hmm. and indoor with the swamp cooler at 72. i'll give you my status here you can see i'm uh, 99 degrees with humidity, 61 percent. 61 percent humidity. Wow. See, so yeah, no, we uh, Brian Brian was sharing last week oh. that he um, <laughs> uh, understands a lot about Bulb. HVAC and humidity and weatherization. Dry and wet. Uh, well, I can only imagine if you go from Santa Fe to Florida. 
<laughs> That's gonna be a relief, oh. believe me. Yeah. I'll be able to sweat and it'll be able to evaporate. It's a completely yeah. different existence. I kind of miss humidity. I like the intensity of it. Uh, it's fun in Austin, at least, because you'd go out to shows and stuff, and it'd feel like you were in a sauna. And I don't know. There was something about it. I'm maybe I'm just a maybe if it was optional. <laughs> if I could turn yeah, it off you have sometimes. The to turn it on, off. Yeah. Yeah. If there was um, like two nights a week where we were promised no humidity, I, that would be fine. I'd be okay. Oh wow! Right. Wow. But no. Of course, <laughs> I say that now, living in living in Santa Fe, where there's no humidity, and like I'm not in Austin right now, where it's you know, 99 degrees with like yeah, 61 percent humidity, 70 percent humidity. But. Yeah. The only time it gets humid in Santa Fe, I remember, is after a rain, and that's a few mm -hmm. moments. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Right, all the mosquitoes will come out. Yeah, for <laughs> four or five minutes, they're permitted to exist. Yeah, they can survive, yeah. Um, so are, are we on air? Are we recording? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, we, yeah. we uh, so you came in like Kramer. I, I didn't exactly tell you that. We were going to be recording and fucking around anyway. But, it worked out like that, yeah. No, it did really work out perfectly. And uh, the... Uh, I mean, as long as we're on the topic of Santa Fe, you were saying that uh, you, Tyler, had started watching all of the diners, dive-ins, and drives episodes that were based in New Mexico. That's correct. Uh, did yeah. you watch all of them already? So, oh. All of the New Mexico episodes? Yeah. I don't think I have. There's okay. a lot that uh, aren't on Max right now. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I'll tell you a story. I went to uh, I went to Taco Bell as one does. Ordered a crunch wrap and uh, ate the crunch wrap. It's tasty, but like a few hours later, I wasn't feeling so hot, and uh, I ended up in bed with like a fever of 102 degrees or something like that. Okay. So I was I was not doing so hot, and uh, I woke up the next day thinking I'd be better, but I was still in the same sort of condition. Um. So I had no energy. So I was in bed all day. I, I started watching uh, Stanley Tucci's Searching for Italy, yep. which is you know, a CNN that's original. Good. That was back when yeah. they still wanted to make uh, original programming, which was usually kind of interesting and good. I mean, that's where the Anthony Bourdain thing lived. Yeah. Right. You know, but as we know, HBO is now Mac. <laughs> yes, and everything right. is now uh, disappearing. So. Right. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I, I watched Bourdain, like, religiously. I think I've been falling asleep to his uh, television series, like, all of his television series, like, almost every single night. So I, I wanted to watch something else. So I saw that Drivers, Dinans, and Drive? Did I Triple D. Diners. Tri Triple D. Thank you so much, Brian. Uh, You're welcome. I'll I save you the hassle. I, you know, like, I'll give this a shot. You know, I've, I've heard people make fun of but I've also heard his shows yeah. uh, really amazing and fun to watch. So. He's a he's a tender-hearted man. He's he's uh, performed 99 simultaneous uh, gay marriages in a famous event. That's right. I think his sister's gay. And yeah. He officiated his sister's wedding, and yeah, like Brian said, like you know, dozens of other uh, weddings. And um, anyway, I I. From the moment he started talking, like, like oh, I'm here in Pittsburgh, and you know, doing that whole routine, I was hooked. Like, I, I was, I, I think it's a wonderful program. It's really good television. I think the trick to it is it's kind of filmed like an infomercial, and I mean that in the best way. It's like the greatest comfort television 
you know, someone who's bedridden and like can't move and like wants to eat, but it has a fucked up stomach. I never um, thought, yeah, that extra wrinkle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I know it's, it's a, it's a wonderful show. And that I think actually thinking about it for just an extra second, it sounds like torture a little bit, but I'll accept what you're telling me. <laughs> it's like I'm housebound, but I love the travel channel. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, I'll start from the very beginning, though. So here's something that's really confusing to me. Okay. Everyone refers to him as Guy Fieri. Yes. But when he pronounces his name on the show, it's Fieri. Mm -hmm. Like, he, he gets the Italianissimo out. And, <laughs> he uh, does. He's, uh, it depends. He code switches depending on who he's talking to, basically. Right. Well, Italian or non-Italian, that is. Right. <laughs> he starts saying things like, that's the spicy sauce. <laughs> exactly. And I'm allowed to say that I'm Italian. Pasta, so. pasta, spaghetti, Alfredo. Exactly. Yeah. I, this is all clear. None of this is racist. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, no. Can't be racist against Italian. I, yeah, and I say so. I'll it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I... So... What I like about the show is it's almost hypnotic because... Unlike Bourdain, he's going from, like, one part of the United States to another part of the United mm -hmm. States to another part of the United States. Yeah. And they're not really connected. For instance, yeah. occasionally there'll be, like, an episode about barbecue or burgers, but mostly it's just, you know, grub you pick up on, you know, these hole-in-the-wall places. And uh, on top of that, like, as a food lover, unlike Anthony Bourdain, who, you know, I, I admire and love his show fieri will go into the kitchen fieri fieri thank you and uh you have to say it with your fingers fieri. yeah <laughs> like, like like brad pitt and fucking inglorious bastards like fieri <laughs> yeah oh, oh i love a good fieri. american yeah. accent <laughs> yeah arriva derci or whatever yeah, yeah. um but no, we actually learn about how the cooking process works. And I like, as someone who's cooked quite a bit before, it's like, oh, I can make that because this guy's telling me how to make it. And I can't really get the kitchen perspective like on these other travel shows, the way that Fieri does. And granted, Fieri, you know, being the guy that he is, he'll make a couple of quips and, you know, they're not really the funniest jokes. But I actually feel like I'm learning a lot about oh, food. Yeah. And, uh, you know, whereas Bourdain, you learn about culture more so, and, like, how people relate to food, which is a great thing. But, again, if you're bedridden and you, like, want to cook something but you can't, like, it, it's awesome television. And uh, yeah. I'm... Fieri is a personality. I think he's a wonderful TV host. He's very kind to all of the people he speaks to. Everyone loves him. Um, he's got really great tastes in Cadillacs, I guess. Is that what he drives? I think so. I think so. I'm not really a car guy, but uh, no, I. So the New Mexico shows that he's done. Like I've been to almost every restaurant. There's a place called uh, Sophia's Place in the North Valley in Albuquerque that I really miss. So it was like stepping back in time and like thinking, oh, I can order duck enchiladas again. Only I can order duck enchiladas with Guy Fieri. Um, Wow. Yeah, there was another place that the owner of Sophia's uh, place opened up called Ezra's Place just down the street. And this was all within like a 
half mile radius of like where I lived in the North Valley while I went to college at, in Albuquerque. Hmm. Um, and there's a place that was that was inside of a bowling alley, um, <laughs> and you could go in yes, and order yes, yes. Or, order these like yeah dunk duck enchiladas like you can't get duck enchiladas anywhere else let alone like new mexican duck enchiladas where they ask you would you like your duck enchiladas with red or green or you know christmas style and you get them and it's like the most delicious thing with that that guy went out of business i think during the pandemic oh. uh he also i think he started up he did some like bad business decisions and mm. he started a restaurant in the student union building at unm and it like he wanted to serve people like really good food, but you know the average uh, UNM student can't afford really good food. They just want you know Chick Fil A or whatever. And uh, anyway, yeah, just Fieri as a modality couple... of eating, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Fieri did a couple episodes there, and uh, he did a lot here in Santa Fe. He did one at uh, Jumbo Cafe, which is an amazing place. I'm yeah. sure you've been, Brian. Yeah, it's awesome. It, it rules. So they just opened up uh, the, the owner of Jumbo. Uh, I guess bought out uh, Bob. What is it, Bobcat? Uh, but the Bobcat Bite that's Bobcat out on bite. Las Vegas. Yeah, highway. yeah, that place. Okay, cool. So now that's like I think now they're calling it like Jumbo at Bobcat Bite. Really or interesting. That, <laughs> which, if I'm not incorrect, it, that place was actually a spinoff of some other kind of. I feel some like that's why the around. name is a little confusing to begin with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so the reason that it's called Bobcat Bite is because it's off near the corner of, or, or the intersection rather of Old Las Vegas Highway, um, which of course coincidentally takes you into Las Vegas. Uh, and so, uh, at the intersection of Old Las Vegas Highway and Bobcat Trail was bobcat bite and it was this old ass little fucking diner and once upon a time it was like a short order diner so it had the like 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 the uh the the, the you know all of the kitchen kind of behind a rail essentially and then you sat at the bar of the okay. rail they served you your 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 food or whatever and then in that space eventually it was uh bobcat bite was the name of the restaurant um, and uh, it was a burger place, and you could go. And th this was like uh, last. I think it closed down in around, gosh, like o two, mm. um, two thousand two. And so the burger place got kicked out by their landlords, and they moved out, and became Santa Fe Bite, the burger place that's out by Annapurna's. Right. And uh, everyone was mad at Bobcat by owners for having kind of evicted them because it was like a long-term steeple and it really upset the community. And so oh, I love this uh, basically nobody inhabited Bobcat Bite for a while. It was, I don't want to say about boycotted, but it had kind of like bad juju. So it flipped owners mm. a couple times and finally wow. it kind of like laundered its reputation. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Until finally now, essentially 20 years later, uh, Jumbo has now taken over it because, of course, Jumbo has so much goodwill in the community, right? Yeah. So, like, and and it's it's it, it's not those owners who evicted those people in the first place. It's very different now, you know. But anyway, it, it's a pretty prime spot, and so let that also be a message to developers everywhere: don't fuck with Santa Fe restaurants. It's true. There are places here in town that have like were just the concept, you know. The, 
you know, in the restaurant world, the local restaurant world, you don't think of it as intellectual property, but just basically the idea or concept of a local restaurant unique to itself. It's basically like a single location franchise is how it's being treated. It's like the ownership will say, here's our entire menu, our exact process, all the notes you would need to recreate everything. Now it's in a new location. Maybe the silverware is the same and the menus kind of look the same, but it's, and I've seen that happen here four or five times some some of them have moved more than once to different locations there is a uh there's a a restaurant that i thought was destroyed in the last hurricane and it was uh but i drove a little bit further and there was the new version of it like installed in the strip mall which is not what it used to be at all it used to be like a dockside restaurant but there it is and i, I imagine on the inside it's exactly the same they had a lot of like very specifically handcrafted daily kind of items at this it's like a salad and bread bar it's not like a thing that exists anymore like a steak like a steakhouse bar is kind of how to describe it um there's like wheels of cheese they're gonna cut open it's like very 70s everything's natural wood (laughs) yeah imagine like you know the galloping gourmet prepares a buffet Uh like that's Uh kind of what it is it's like a 30 dollar buffet yeah, it's wild. It's a wild thing. It's a very specific kind of restaurant. But, I mean, there's tons of things. There's an Irish restaurant here in town that I think is going to move to a new location with, like, it's 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 just a classic spot on an old street that had, you know, so many customers, but terrible location and probably not great management. Um, Clancy's is the name of that place. It's a, it's a good Irish name. Yeah. <laughs> So is it like an Irish pub kind of place? Uh, definitely, and, and it's been there, I think, since like the 70s. It had gone through many levels of ownership. Like it had been turned over many times where management would take it over and then the next generation of management would like take ownership. And eventually the place, I think the building itself might have like taken enough critical damage in that last hurricane before, like a few years ago, and they never did the repairs they needed to or something like that. Um, but... It'll, it'll come back. Actually, um, they moved to another location, moved back to that original location, and, um, and now they're, they're going to be moving somewhere. But, yeah, it's all in the local papers. Like, keep up with this stuff. Like, that's what I love is, like, this is all of interest to everyone in town. Mm-hmm. This is, like, what's in the local media. <laughs> you know, it's, no, like, so, everything. So even, even that whole thing about um, Bob, the Santa Fe bite, like the burger place and Jumbo and this like kind of musical chairs. I-, I could probably point to a few different instances of that even here in town, right? Like where they expanded a location or they moved here or there, or they went from food truck to brick and mortar or, um, uh, like maybe one of the best ones was there was, um, oh gosh, what did it used to be called? I think it used to be called, oh, the Backstreet Bistro. Um, and it was a restaurant, gosh, it also, uh, was around and I think it closed in like 2005, 2010 era, something, maybe a, maybe a casualty of the recession, not sure. But Backstreet Bistro was well known because they made these fucking, this mushroom soup. And this other fucking potato soup, and they were known for their soups, and it was like, oh my god. And so when they closed, the chef moved to the Santa Fe Baking Company. And so, magically, the soups that you could no longer find at Back Road Bistro were now on the menu at the Santa Fe Baking Company. I can't believe that. I can keep track of some of these things, because I... 
my life was like following like oh where are the new chefs and bakers moving around and stuff i I used to keep track of that because i was like oh i met that person one time for like a catering thing and then then i would just remember them and then kind of follow them oh wow well there's a a triple d episode at the backstreet of the backstreet bistro Mm -hmm. and i think that's what's fascinating about the show coming from this you know, post 2020 lockdown lens where a lot of these places just fell apart and you you get to watch, you know, Triple D and it's like, oh, it's almost like I'm here just sitting down at the table again. That's what it is. It's mushroom that. Soup. Yeah, you're sitting down to these classic dishes at this restaurant and it's a little taste of like doing that over and over and over again, you know, or at least mm-hmm. three times an episode. Um, and it's so easy to just lay them on because they're only like 30 minute episodes too, right? They're very short. Yeah, yeah. it's great and to like, just... Without advertisements, which, you know, is programmed for, uh, the, yeah, they're 20 minutes long. They're super quick yeah. and, and fast-paced. Chopped and is... Again, they, go, they go from place to place, which I really like, because they, and they're not really linked together. Like, he'll, he'll be in, like, Monterey, California, then he'll be, like, in Lawrence, Kansas, and then he'll end up, like, in Detroit, Michigan, or somewhere like that. Yeah, there's... Like, I can't even think, really, of, like, a, like a uniting theme between them or anything like that, specifically... Um, but I, I love that. Have you been? Well, you of course you have. Uh, he's been to Tune Up Cafe in town. Yeah, um, and he's had, he's had an episode there. We were just there, I think, like two weeks ago, working <laughs> on on wedding stuff. But uh, yeah, a wonderful spot, and that's also like I get their Salvadorian tamales. I would say about eighty percent of the time. Ooh, that's awesome. Yeah, they and that's one of those places where you just pick something off the menu, and you know it's going to be like awesome it's oh yeah yeah um their sandwiches are amazing their burgers are really good i haven't tried their pizza but they do new mexican food as well and like to the mm. point that's also one of those spots i think is like integral to that neighborhood like everyone just mm. wakes up and yes. like, oh let's go to tune up and you know you see you know people of all backgrounds and types go in there and yeah. You know, I was going to add to that, the the idea that, like, uh, this thing we were talking about a little earlier, which is, like, why is Santa Fe a resort town, mm-hmm. right? Well, if I think about the parts that are, like, locals only, because, like, tune-up is locals only, basically. Oh, like, yeah. like I, I feel like that's not a place that tourists really go to unless they're, like, frequent tourists, is maybe how I would put it. Um, or, like, local tourists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, coming to mm-hmm. santa fe from right around yeah uh-huh uh-huh and uh yeah like from tesuke or whatever yeah, yeah you like, know, like ne- neighboring towns but, the, but they're still locals in that sense because they're i guess still, yeah, like, it's totally you true know? Yeah. um so i think of that and i think instead of like well what are the like quote-unquote like restaurants i would go to if i was truly a tourist right and that is like tomasitas even though like maybe (laughs) yeah tomasitas the shed right and even though maybe yes they are full of locals right it is where the tourists go they're the tourists aren't going to tune up because tune up has like you know kind of uh, kind of more general fare is maybe how I'll put it, right? So tourists yeah. aren't usually looking for general fare. Tourists are usually looking for region typical. Yeah, they're yeah. looking for like something you can only get here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wh- whatever that means. In that and spot. they have like club sandwiches at Tune Up, you know? Like, so they're probably <laughs> looking like at that and going, oh, well, everyone has barbacoa tacos. We have those at our Chipotle. I wonder if shaping a menu like helps 
direct i don't know do you think that's a self-selection thing like picking your clientele or like do you think that every restaurant's just trying to get every customer they should yeah. I think it's just a matter of, yeah, survival of the fittest, just yeah. trying to get as many folks as you can uh, okay. get in. But the way the restaurant industry works is you're just attracting, like, this crowd, these crowds of people that come in. And I'm trying to think, like, the relationship between, like, Louisianans have with New Orleans is very different than the way New Mexicans, like, outside of Santa Fe have with Santa Fe. Mm -hmm. That's true. In terms of, rest in terms of dining, because... Mm. Even, like, people from Albuquerque who don't live very far from Santa Fe, they just want to go to Tomasitas. They want to go to the Shed. They want to go to all these places we just mentioned, but they, they've never heard of the tune-up, and they don't even care. That's true. Whereas, yeah. like, you meet someone yeah. from, like, Lafayette or Baton Rouge, they could tell you, like, where the best po'boy is in New Orleans, and it's not going to be, like, in the French Quarter. It's going to be somewhere, like, uptown yeah. or in Bywater or something like that. Yeah. And I don't think, like, I think a lot of New Mexicans especially in roswell which is obviously like the more conservative part they they despise santa fe because it's too it's too ritzy it's yeah. too and they, sometimes they just you know they despise it for the right reasons but they also despise <laughs> yeah. it because there's too many libs up here and again like that might be a good reason to hate santa fe but uh they they don't want to have anything to do with it they'll do business up here so they'll go eat it yeah they'll go eat downtown like somewhere like the shed del Chato, somewhere like that but they they don't want to spend too much time here it's because or Out they'll go to the Outback Steakhouse. Outback Steakhouse. Yeah, or Chili's. Or Chili's. <laughs> um, well, you know, wrong with Chili's. when you go to Olive Garden, when you're there, you're family. It's true. I wonder, just... have I ever been to the Olive Garden there? <laughs> I want to say yes. I want to say it just happened. But... Yeah. I, I went there once uh, because uh, uh, in 2015, my housemate at the time... Uh, now, mind you, he is a fully grown human man. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His uh -huh. parents, for his birthday, uh -huh. sent him like a $200 gift card to Olive Garden. Sure. And he gets it in the it's mail. And he, okay, gift. so I, I want to start by saying here that my housemate at the time uh, was a, a fellow teacher where I was working. Mm -hmm. um, his personality, while being very like fun and affable, like kind of like personable and all those things, uh, his his focus of his uh, undergraduate and postgraduate and really the focus of his entire life was like meditation and zen buddhism and so he was a very chill individual and mm. so like when you thought of what he ate you would maybe more think like i should just get him like a 20 pound bag of rice like you know that might be a more appropriate gift but i guess his parents thought that they should send him a 200 olive garden gift card so he's like what the fuck and he's like well let's go get drunk at the olive garden <laughs> never ending possibles for everyone well i mean we well because we were like well look like even if it's like 40 bucks worth of food 50 bucks because we get an app like how are we gonna you'd really it, have I to guess. try you'd have to yeah, go back yeah. multiple times i think with and four then, people we were like we're not gonna do that we're not gonna go back again <laughs> so it was like let's just bring us another bottle of water <laughs> you're like the kings of all like, garden you're just like you're waving your hands around just come to me waiter 
Bring me it all. Everything. Soup, salad, breadsticks. <laughs> uh, that may be the only time I've been to Olive Garden maybe in the last, like, 25 years, maybe. Well. I have not had a breadstick since, I don't think. Oh. <laughs> You know, they sell the uh, salad dressing in the uh, store now, so if you ever really wanted it, you could just make your own Olive uh, Garden salad, which is kind of the best part, I think. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What's the dressing like? Is it like a, an Italian dressing? It's, I can't remember, like a vinegar-based? It's an Italian something? with a little a bit of, uh, uh, let's say, uh, uh, what's the... Yeah, like a tang. Yeah, a tang. I want to say acidic kind of a thing. Like a lemon. On. Yes, the lemony yeah. Italian dressing. Yeah. Sounds all right. A little touch I mean, of cheese, maybe, too. You should get there. some. You should get some. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I don't... <laughs> have it at Costco in these enormous bottles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, like, ridiculous. Like an oil drum. It seems, like, <laughs> overly sized. It's basically, like, an overly sized regular salad dressing bottle. It just seems unwieldy, because it's meant to be held with the hand at the regular <laughs> shape and scale doesn't assist anything at the it's just a identifiable bottle at a joke scale really <laughs> are there are there croutons in the salad yes yeah that's that sounds like a good salad okay so no they they they, they also put so it's 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 iceberg lettuce that they've cut up into maybe uh yeah. squares of a maybe half dollar size mouth sized chunk uh, and then, yeah, croutons, black olives, boo, pepperoncini, yay. Uh, and, Got like uh, a baseball-sized tomato yeah. split into yeah. eighths? Yeah. <laughs> In, like, wedge formation? Yeah. Probably because it's and the quickest they, to like, cut. Yeah, and then they pour, like, a bunch of dressing, like, at the bottom or at the middle. I don't know how, but then they bring you the fork thing. And I, I, I guess when I was there, I don't remember if they, like mixed it for us and then set it down or if they're like here's the slob in the middle Olive Garden it's the only place in the world where a beautiful salad can be described as a slop <laughs> well you know it gets kind of soggy yeah just you know and I think they do give it a little toss for you just you know to kind of remind you it's salad no it's seriously though it is in terms of the franchise <laughs> really restaurant it is kind of the the gold standard for the salad. It can get a little bit better at a Carabas maybe, but that's it. That's as good as salads get in the franchise world. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the freshness I, I of the lettuce. I'm always Yeah. It's consistent. I think they kind of freeze it. I think there's something that's Yeah, like... maybe that's why it's so consistent. Back yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's very important in mm -hmm. restaurant consistency. I always heard You want the lettuce frozen perfectly, as Gordon Ramsay would say. Yeah. <laughs> never yeah. say that. Yeah. What are the uh, the Olive Garden competitors? There's a Buca de Beppo, and then there's I've the never been to one of those. Grill. Macaroni oh, grill. macaroni grill. Yeah. Uh, funny story about the macaroni grill. I went to a macaroni grill uh, once, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the night before I went to the hospital for an appendectomy. Um, That's a good time to go to macaroni grill. <laughs> so another funny story about that place is it burned down that night as well. Um, Oh my god. Yes. No joke. All I can back that up. macaronis or something? <laughs> uh, we left a bad tip. I don't know. No, I'm just, I, I have no idea. That's just my, uh, perhaps that's what happened. 
I was 19. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's uh, really funny. <laughs> that, that's a really bad day for macaroni. <laughs> macaroni grill is just, yeah, they had a customer with a almost fatal I mean, illness. Also, not a great day for your appendix or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, a lot of bad energy happening at that. It sounds like you were line. okay. Yes. No, I was fine. You know, lifelong scar, but I'm okay. Kind of a funny idea, though, putting macaronis on a grill. Yeah, I know. It's like you feel like that wouldn't really help anything, really. It's just kind of yeah. still just toasted, really. Yeah, putting like fettuccine. No, it's like on it, a grill. No, it's oh like wow, veggies. yeah. You have to like use a skewer. You know, okay. like you have to use the big macaronis, the ones that are more like the, the you know the like noodles stuff the noodles i yeah. love the idea of mac and cheese scoop skewers i wonder if you can make them in tears of the kingdom <laughs> <laughs> yeah certainly it seems like virtually anything can be can i'll bet you can totally do together. it in minecraft yeah tears of the kingdom's very uh, skewer forward as i'm finding out so i haven't d dug deep enough for the macaronis but they gotta be there somewhere i like all but. the blunt items that can still be considered a skewer once it's placed on the end yeah. of it yeah that's yeah. awesome what an amazing game sorry i've been playing a lot of that and yeah i, I, I I'm, I'm i'm like a closet gamer i grew up playing video games but when i went to college I just, i'm out of the I, closet on that one that was my original yeah. posting style <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I, I got too busy, and then I I got uh, distracted, and then uh, teach starting to teach. I had a lot of work to do. I was going to grad school, and I just finished grad school, and now I have time to game again, and it's it's been an incredible summer. But uh, yeah, wait till September, and you can play. Well, uh, what is that? Space, the the new S Skyrim, but like in space. Um, oh, I, I heard about that. Skyrim and Starfield. Space. Yeah, it's a hell of a concept. Yeah, it's basically um, the idea. It's the same kind of gameplay, but just you know, countless planets and all that stuff. There should be a Santa Fe RPG. No, <laughs> that should be the next Grand Theft Auto, really. Uh, which actually <laughs> no, is going to be set that's... in Florida, the whole state of Florida. And I saw the map in the alpha, and it includes the Southwest Florida. So I'll be so proud of whatever the, the scottish believe that is happening in southwest florida i feel yeah. like the the new mexico grand theft auto should actually be like it, it should be like the grand theft auto entry to compete with like red dead redemption and you should start like on a burrow <coughs> and then like uh as you like foment more like indigenous rebellion then like the Spanish come after you and they like send so instead of like the cops escalating to like the SWAT team and the military and shit, it's like, you know No. Like one that... gunslinger and then like a bounty hunter and then it's like a Spaniard and then it's like a fucking guy, like an inquisitor or some shit. And that's so... what games are now is development <clears throat> is uh like settlement development. It's all about like um, you have all the gameplay you had in all these other games like Assassin's Creed and stuff or whatever your third person action adventure gameplay but also like a central element now is like building up this sort of like society or town or home or uh, like even in every game has this central concept now of like it's a live game we're adding all this like infinite content and you're going to collect all these little things into your little space final fantasy 14 has this uh, any live game and pretty much which is any major game released in the last few years that's making you know like 
millions and millions of dollars are all like this. It's really wild. They're all about building. Or some games like Diablo, for example, uses the character as like the space that you like inhabit, essentially. Um, it's really fascinating. It goes back to the real money auction house. <laughs> anyway. I, um, I've also been thinking about like, like I feel like a lot of people are like obsessed with like open world games and like what would what would be the like things that you find out here in like New Mexico would it be like you find like a couple of good burrito stands and then happen upon a like James Beard award nominated fucking <laughs> I expect that's exactly the gameplay that you're going to see in the next Grand Theft Auto is like very detailed lifestyle experiences cuz like the one the like, I don't know if, if how aware you are, but the current Grand Theft Auto that exists, Grand Theft Auto Online, essentially, is Grand Theft Auto V from 2013, but has been continually developed for an extra 10 years, and all this content has been added on. And in that time, only from about year one to two, did it take for it to become the largest money-making uh, engine in all of entertainment since that point and still continuing to this day it is still it makes more than it makes billions of dollars a year it makes more than film as a category the game grand theft auto wow. makes more than film as a concept it's so popular i mean it's span like everybody's into it it People makes more than fortnite it's the only thing that makes more than fortnite wow right right uh younger kids love Grand Theft Auto, like all of my students who are barely 13 years old, they're like, Mr. Donahue, we gotta play Grand Theft Auto sometime. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think the budget for the most of the, this new Grand Theft Auto games coming out is like well over a billion dollars. It is. My understanding. Yeah. Yes. And like you were saying, Brian, like, yeah, I think all of Florida is like represented in the is. game. In, Miami, in you have the Everglades. Detail, you have too. Part of Florida. Is there a Disney parody? There will absolutely. It's. It, in the world of how I know that they concept and make these simulacra of real places, like for example, because I've spent literally thousands of hours in like their virtual Los Angeles in like, I don't know, Southern California, let's say, which is then turned into an island. Like all the time that I spent there from 2013 to 2014 or whatever, by the time I came to real Los Angeles in my car in real life, I was like, oh yeah, I can navigate around this town. I know. <laughs> like, you know I'm, no fucking joke. I was like, oh yeah, it's kind of visually, I get it. I know what North is I like is that, here. like, no, again, and in the New Mexico one, everyone's going to be like, wait, how are there two Paseo de Peralta <laughs> or whatever? Yeah, I mean, when I think of... <laughs> well, when I think of uh, open world games yeah. in New Mexico, I feel like New Mexico has kind of already been represented. I mean, you have Red Red Redemption. It's not exactly New Mexico, but you could tell it's like, okay, yeah. you guys have spent time there. Um, even, like, I mean, I hate to bring up Breaking Bad, but, like, there's a lot of, like, Breaking Bad-esque subplots in Grand Theft Auto V. That is true. Kind of, yeah. Which I think would be kind of boring to do for New Mexico, because, I, I mean, that's, like, the big... Like, if I tell people I'm from New Mexico, like, when I was living in Austin, they'd be, like... Instead of asking me, like, oh, aliens must be a thing out there, they'd be, like, oh, meth must be really bad. <laughs> and I'm, like, well, it's bad, but it's no different than it is in Texas. Or Florida. Or, Florida, yeah. Oakland, like, take your pick, like, any of the states. Florida man up. exists for a reason. <laughs> yeah. But I think landscapes would be represented well here. It would be yeah. nice to see, like, a white sands or, you know. And it, like, that landscape has never really been represented in, like, a Grand true. Theft Auto so much. Like, they've had, like, that kind of, like, 
um, edge of a mountainscape kind of desert up to the shoreline, but it's never been like like you know mm. a real like it feels like you're in a desert kind of situation. Right. They could do the Sangre de Cristos really well. Oh, I think like actual like desert scape because they're really good at it. They have made two very detailed uh, desert games. They just need to. I don't, maybe perhaps that will happen. Perhaps this game will lead to them having uh, multiple uh, regions over time. They can build their own crime version of America because that's that was that was the first Grand Theft Auto was like there was Vice City. There were each little level was like uh, essentially the games they've made in successive order, which is kind of funny. Right. Um, I always thought like uh, the GTA series was always paying like homage to like all the great films of the past fifty years. Like there's yeah. um, tons of uh, like Godfather references, uh, Boogie Nights references, uh, Goodfellas references. But I also think like Grand Theft Auto, by and large, I mean we're talking about video games now, but celebrates just video gaming as a concept more than any other game that is true because it's like you can there's a flight simulator in like gta is a flight simulator simulator it's it's that's my favorite way to play it you can explore it's almost like an adventure game it's like and there's all these mini games inside of the game and it's and they're all done really well and that's the thing is like when they add features or when they add anything or when they design their game or they any part of it um they really spend a lot of time as i understand testing like every single element and like how it'll be interacted so that it's already it's like 2.0 stage or it's 3.0 stage of what it would be before it's released to the public it's so like in in concept they've like thought about it like many times before it's like actually pushed out and i think that's probably their key to like what they make they made grand theft auto 5 then they made two sequels to it and that's actually what they put out as grand theft auto 5 essentially um, right. But that's what they said they did with the original Red Dead. I remember there was an interview where they kind of described that. Yeah, I, I mean, the Rockstar Games, I think they celebrate gaming. And they're like a silo. Than other games. They yeah. don't really ever come outside their little box to talk about anything except for, like, here's our game we made. Right. <laughs> like, there's developer interviews are extremely rare, like, at all. Um, except for, like, when they're talking about financials. Like that's that. true i think i think they were at one time i like i had a subscription to like electronic gaming monthly and yeah. Nintendo Power and stuff like that and they made a little documentary these, these developers and i would read them and nowadays i just i mean i'm not really seeking that stuff out but i'm on twitter and i follow gaming stuff on twitter and i don't really see like any interviews with they developers, made this like you great documentary about san andreas's production i really love that um back oh, nice. in what was that 2000 four i guess um that was really cool they focus a lot on the music and i think that the music is really um probably the thing that like if anything was to play the casino like machine role of like pulling me back in psychologically it's like oh yeah this is like i was just about to get out but oh now a new song came on the radio and i really love the song i've heard it a million times but i could listen to it one more time and that's what like leads me back into playing the game for another five minutes yeah. Do you think the reason we don't see that kind of thing anymore is just because of the death of magazines generally? Oh. Like, yeah. Because, I mean, I just kind of think of, like, I mean, you were just saying, like, I had a subscription, too. Right? And I it's like, all, yeah, was a big right? And so, like, 
I mean, you can do that still, right? Like, yeah. you can go subscribe to, like, what, like, you there's know, Game Facts, and there's, like, you know, there's, there's like, uh, Game, De Game Dev, I think, is another big, really huge kind of, like, but, but that one, they feel more, like, that one also feels more, like, kind of more professional niche, right? Like, right. it's because I, too, am a developer, or I, too, am in the industry, right? As opposed to, like, like, the difference between variety and national Enquirer, say right like that's a good point actually because like if you think about in the gaming world they do definitely talk to different groups of people different ways like in very specifically very completely different ways in fact they talk to the enthusiast crowd like they know more than everyone else because they do for a large part but they talk to them as if they know like 90 percent of all the information has come out since they've been following gaming news <clears throat> which makes it really hard to keep up with. But for that, it keeps those people completely locked in with like the latest beat. And those are the influencers in the gaming world who actually are selling the game, not <clears throat> the marketers or even Nintendo. The Nintendo directs that people watch is so that we watch it on social media. And then we tell our real life friends who are offline for those are actually the next tier of people who are actually buying. Those are the numbers that actually count. It's really fascinating. That's why movie theater ads work so well for video games as well. Mm -hmm. um, you can almost guarantee they've already done the math. They know how to track to do like movie theater ads and or you know big scale like large media buyouts. Like um, uh, Death Stranding was a great example of a niche game that should have not sold too many, but was marketed extremely well and had this kind of like mysterious like oh there's this amazing Japanese developer. My friends have been talking about him my entire life. He's making this brand new concept with with Sony and it's like a game on the PlayStation that actually looks interesting and it's an original concept like wow and then it sold like in insane numbers way more than they projected but also like I believe if Nintendo were to market like the new like like, like I saw <laughs> I saw something about some new Mario movie or some new Mario game or something and Princess Peach was doing something and everybody was talking yes. about like woke Mario or some bullshit. <laughs> I don't know what any of that bullshit is. I, 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 I just mean specifics. that like if Princess Peach and woke Mario uh, marketed a peach heavy advertisement mm. before Barbie, mm. they would fucking clean house up and down. It's so true. I would be buying my girl power, girl boss niece a pink DS or whatever the fuck they are these days. A Switch? They're Switches now, right? Or Yeah. Whatever they are. Yeah, I'd be getting them one of those, right? I can almost guarantee you they're probably releasing something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I bet. Yeah, we'll, pre we, uh, we'll predict but the future now. I Well, well like was, <clears throat> that movie you, changes everything. By the way, everything. fellas, speaking, speaking of girl games mm -hmm. and, girl, and girl things, mm -hmm. Uh, did you I've, either of you ever play the the Princess Peach game for the DS? It no. was a puzzle platformer, right? I believe so. I don't I don't remember too much about it. I think I got it. I think I, I got it through that game rental service through the mail. But I, she had like an umbrella. She had like a magic umbrella, and she used that to kind of like float around or yeah, some like shit. the Super Mario. Yeah, okay. Yeah, some bullshit thing. like that. But she also but like it vibrated. And I was like, there is simply no way that they had no idea what they were doing. <laughs> I'm uh, blown away. 
That I don't remember. I'm just but saying I, I trust that. that. Like this is this th th this is what patriarchy does. Is <laughs> puzzle platformers have sanctity. I they're see, they're you know, an I want to see if I can find song. like a YouTube gameplay of the one I'm thinking of. Who's gonna talk about the like? Please, this no. This is good. Anyway, continue. Yeah, continue. Well, Brian mentioned uh, as we talk about the most famous pipe players of all. <laughs> right. Brian mentioned Death Stranding, which was uh, a, a Hideo. Ko what is his name? Hideo, Hideo Kojima. Kojima. He's basically like an auteur of video games, and there, I, oh, yeah. I think as a personality, Singular. there's not a lot of like video game developers or conceptualists, whatever you want to call them, who have like his status. And uh, I think people were into it just because it has that Hideo Kojima stamp. It's true. Because it. he did Metal Gear Solid, and his Twitter presence is really funny because he's hanging out with, like, a different celebrity every yeah, day. Yeah, because they're all, like, they want to be in on his next project. Because every project he creates is, like, the world of the actor's dreams that they get to, like, inhabit and, like, become this character. They get all this input, and they become best friends with this, like, Japanese game developer who's, like, taking him to japan all the time to do you know performance capture and stuff right like he's hanging Who out could with resist? michael imperioli one day and then the next day he's hanging out with uh, uh guillermo del toro people like that yeah and he's in you know he's in death stranding which was uh incredible um i, I didn't know that i need to play <laughs> that game it seems right up my alley his likeness is used but not his uh his voice and stuff it's funny <laughs> that's that that rules but yeah. hopefully Talking about, you know, females and maybe there'll be a female auteur in the next 60 years who's in video games. Uh, Lara Croft, you know, the Metroid lady, Samus Saran, right? Um, who else do we got? Um, uh, basically, all of the Sims. Um, and you got some Resident Evil yeah, characters here and there. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone who yeah, plays the, the, the Sims. The tall, the, yeah, the, the tall, the tall goth lady and the Resident Evil, the new Resident Evil. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I haven't even played that game, but I had a nightmare about the tall goth <laughs> vampire. I probably <laughs> had a different kind of dream. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh. so in Super Princess Peach, a platformer title for Nintendo DS, uh, instead of Mario starring as the protagonist and uh, and uh, as protagonist and Princess Peach as the classic damsel in distress, it is Mario, Luigi, and the Toads. Oh, the Toads. Kidnapped. They are all taken to Vibe <laughs> Island. <laughs> I was Vibe trying Island. not to read ahead you so you can yeah, deliver no, it. <laughs> who has stolen the Vibe Scepter, a <laughs> magical item capable of influencing emotions. Oh. Princess Peach, with the help of a talking umbrella known as Perry, this is the floating umbrella she uses, and her own powers of emotion <laughs> must wreck, must rescue them. So she cries and shit. There's, there's like a power of crying. I swear oh to fucking God. Yo, okay, hold on. Wait, did you just say talking umbrella? Yes. It's like oh, the talking guy right. that Homer pitches to Ron Howard in The Simpsons. Episode. So now, this is a very vibes-based game, and by that sure. we mean oh. now, like, good vibes. And so Peach is experiencing a variety of vibes. 
I'm experiencing a variety of vibes right now. The joy, the rage, the gloom, and calm. (laughs) And you use her emotions, and the vibe scepter was, I guess, helping her to control all of these variety of emotions. Everyone at home, we're looking at a variety of uh, emotions being expressed by Princess Peach in colored columns, joy. Oh, During I'll, I'll the course of gameplay, the, play is okay. <laughs> the player is able to help Peach trigger one of four vibe abilities, provided she has an adequate amount of energy in the vibe game. I feel like you're reading the description to a, 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 a sexual product. Yeah, no, instead, this is the description to Super Peach on MarioWiki.com. Continue. The player can touch. See, because it was the DS, so you have the little stylus. So you would. <coughs> sorry. You'd use your stylus to touch one of the various vibe uh, levels. Mm. Uh, the player can touch the vibe levels to allow Peach to proceed with the related action for each vibe ability. I feel like Sidney Freud would be fascinated by this. Let me see if there's a... So Perry can do a variety... So there's a pound umbrella. She can hit the ground. She can pound the ground with her umbrella. You're going to see enemies without vibes, like the bullet and the hey. Koopa and the big ghost. Those are harsh accusations. Yeah. No vibes. No vibes. No vibes. Oh, the smog ball. Joy enemies. Ah, These jo- are the okay. enemies vibes. of joy. They have vibes. Mm. Mm. So then there's Glad the Fang. enemies. Glad Fang yeah. is a joy vibe uh, enemy. Glad blooper. Rage enemies. These enemies can all be defeated with rage. Okay. Mad, mad blurp. I'm a yeah. big fan of mad blurp. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The angry and fiery versions of most characters, a mad pokey. That's me. That, that cactus. Yeah, I like. The, I love the little wiggly cactus that showed up in Super Mario World. <laughs> Gloom enemies uh, are mostly the weird bone skulls, the castle kind of vibe aminals. Um, and then these are the enemies that are fought with calm. Uh, these are usually the sleeping ones, things that like kind of. Oh, we got the CV plant. <laughs> That's a classic, classic Mario creature, the CV plant. And uh, yeah, it was. Uh, you had to vibe. You had to vibe. <laughs> oh, you had to vibe. I bet. Wow, that is. Um, there was some direction, some decision making, some choices, and they all knew what they were doing. That's incredible. Yeah. The vibe scepter or vibe wand. Oh. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see what one of these youngster influencers have to say about it. Yeah, this is a uh, reality issues. Oh wait, hold on. Let me make sure I'm sharing sound. Was I sharing mm. sound? Uh, I can't hear anything right now, but Here we go. nothing's playing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> 
see the vibe meter left. Oh, and wow. then the different vibes are at the bottom of the DS screen. Calm and the this looks... rage. Wow. It's always on the screen, too. Well, I guess it was a DS, but... She needs the vibe scepter back. <laughs> Gotta get all those emotions under control. Yeah, there you go. Oh, this is. Wow. Truly insane shit. I'm blown away. That so got through everything. That got through all stages of planning. The like bikini volleyball game. Because those are the other. Um, uh, strong female representations in games, the volleyball bikini babes. <laughs> yeah, does that pass every test? I, uh, yeah. I yeah, I mean, they're some... not talking about guys. They no. pass up the Bechdel They're just there. Yeah, there's no football. there's no framing around anything, really. No, we love to play in the sand. It exists literally in a vacuum, kind of. It's just like... <laughs> on its I own. Love the <laughs> Kathy, would you say Super Princess Peach... Uh, is an accurate representation of what it's like to be female vibe-based? Um, I would say that, um... I would say that it is true that, uh... the cycles of our hormonal production vary from person to person. Uh, but that all of those general I, I I like their four general buckets. I think I could I think I could use them to communicate clearly. I could point at one of the I now I want to print them out and point at them and be like I'm feeling like this today. Like when like when you go to the doctor's office and they like where's the pain? The pain in the knee and they make you point at like which pain. <laughs> yeah, I want to point at the... one of them like that and go <laughs> I'm feeling that face. Right? No, I, I can. Yeah. So I would say it's kind of accurate in the sense that, like, I feel like there's a flux, and um, I, I I know that for me personally, my emotions tend to like they feel like they're a wave that passed through me. They feel like um, like I've been like like it's an earthquake and I've been jostled, but it's about to end, and in a moment, like I will regain my senses about me. It might take me a little bit, depending on how big of the earthquake it was. But I do, I do feel like I just like, I, I just need to let the emotion like happen. I can't stop it. Like I can't stop an earthquake. It just, it's just got to roll through, and it'll, it'll be done. That's how I feel about it mm. personally. I certainly can't speak for all women, but I do, I, I do think that women would at least agree that they do process these types of emotions and that they have found their own ways to cope with them right that, that's just how i do it you know Interesting. at least that's how i hope <laughs> i don't know if my therapist would... i, don't know if this I think it's a good answer i think that sounds um, 
No, that, that totally makes sense. Um, is there a Guy Fieri video game? Uh. He, he was a game show host at, at one time, and I only need, Burger Time. I only need I type something like into Jeff... Mid Journey right now. I'm gonna oh type something into Mid Journey here. Let's just... Burger yeah. Time. Hold on, if let's Jeff share screen. If was in a video game, then there we go. probably Guy Fieri's like in a video game somewhere, right? Yeah, let me t uh, here. Let me open. Pulling up That's right. Hold on. Let me go back to screen share. Oh no, Brian! I have to take this from you. Oh, I have to. Because I have the answer to: Is there a Guy Fieri video game? The answer is yes. Ready? Oh, oh. Ready, player one. Uh, oh, hold up. Something just took over the the focus of my screen. Yes, go. Oh, it's Peter Pepper. I haven't heard any of the little sound effects. But the volume's up. And, and uh, this might be the attract. I am sound sharing, yeah. It might be the attract. Um, to, to not get, take down. But Burger Time is also a static screen platformer. Think Donkey Kong. Uh, viewers at home where you are a chef and um you have to walk across a variety of buns lettuces con like toppings for burgers and you have to create a burger you step over them and they <laughs> they smush together they're arcade long plays usually include the entire track screen <laughs> Yeah, so we have Peter Pepper. We have the sausage, which is named uh, Mr. S so there's the pickle that's named Mr. Pickle. There's Mr. Egg. Um, let's see, we got... Uh, where's the other one? I'll show up. So I think this is the Guy Fieri video game. Totally. Here, I actually. think that if we <laughs> rebranded the chef Guy as Guy Fieri... Chef Guy Fieri? Yes. This we is it. We could remake Burger Time and make Kabillions, the Rockstar game. E Entertainment. As always, hit us up. I'm talking to my Mid Journey bot right now, and I'm saying, imagine. <laughs> I kind of like the idea of an open world Guy Fieri diners, drive ins, and dives. A video game where you, you drive as Guy Fieri and you find the right diner, the right drive-in, and the right dive, and you go in and you sample the food. And you get points for the food sampling. Guy? You get points for like how many people you talk to in the restaurant. Guy Fieri in the cover of a driver's dine, drive-ins, drive, diners. Drive and it dives. This has got to be an excellent stoner podcast. Video I just gotta... <laughs> oh, no, that's exactly, that's exactly what I it is. I think we're at like peak stoner podcast. Hold on. Right I've got it right now. Guy Fieri no, on the cover of Diner Drives and Dives. That's why we have games. the music going so our listeners know yeah. this isn't dead air. We're, we're, yes, thank you. Well, this is a really cool concept for a game. I, I want to play. I've never. I've heard of Burger Time, but I haven't. I haven't ever had the privilege. Oh of... gosh. Well, 
Not only setting my watch to bur burger time. Not only was it an arcade game, so yeah. it was like a stand-up console. It was also available for the original Nintendo, of which I and my brother were proud havers of a Nintendo. Uh -huh. And I think I've mentioned, I think on the show even, that when I was a child, my brother, uh, my father worked for Sears Roebuck and Company. Okay. And he worked downtown L.A. at the Sears. And at that time, as things were in the mid to late 80s early 90s as a sears employee he got a pretty good discount on shit and that's why we had cool shit like the nintendo and pretty much every fucking cartridge you could imagine okay so well that my brother wanted right. let's say maybe that's more accurate mm -hmm. um and so burger time was one of them and I loved the fuck out of Burger Time. And so every time I had an opportunity to play, I was playing Metroid. I was playing Burger Time. Uh, I didn't give a shit about Zelda. My brother was playing Zelda, the first Zelda. And I was like, I could give a fuck. I don't, I don't care. Um, but I Burger Timed and Arkanoided like till the cows came home. I love to hear and that. So I remember Burger Time quite well, personally. Gotta say. I'm looking at a Burger Time cartridge right now. I can see one <laughs> right there. <laughs> I have a stupid question. Yeah. So the eggs and the sausage, mm -hmm. they're they're like your enemies if you if you touch one of them. Because I think that would go well on a burger. Well, but, but see, that's how you smush them is you smush okay, them in between a layer. In, okay. So you have, like, let's say... On all of these variety of platforms, you have like at the very top all of the buns. Yeah. And then what it does is it creates a cascading effect. So if there is one layer immediately below it, then it'll bump it down. Yeah. Right? Like a little like daisy chain, I guess. But if it's like a blank platform, it just falls and nothing else happens, right? It doesn't kick anything down. So part of it is also about doing the game strategically as you up and go up and down the platforms. You want like, oh, this one will bumple, 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 right? Or whatever, yeah. right? Are, are so. there any chilies in the game? No, oh, because man. unfortunately it is a very generic burger meant right. for, you know, I guess sausage and an egg topping on a burger, not really that crazy. And everything else is like the lettuce, the tomato, and the burger that may have been pretty avant-garde for the 80s or whenever it came out. Mean... the egg on burger i still think that's a little bit too much myself i mean i'm not i'm not really an egg guy but well i accept i'm the glad fact... i'm glad it's on there well i accept <laughs> the fact that a chef and his food are enemies yeah <laughs> yes. well that's how it works sometimes in the kitchen it's as, an antagonistic as the, relationship as t the tv show the bear as the show man versus food you know, there's man versus nature yeah. and man versus health <laughs> man versus food is the hidden oh, storytelling can we talk about man versus food for a second sure i, I haven't seen an episode in like 20 years or 15 years whatever uh -huh. it's been. it was a big college show for okay exp explain it to our listeners at yeah. home for the folks who don't know well it's a really interesting uh TV show, a reality show, whatever you want to call it, based around food and the fact that the guy just eats the most food that he possibly can. He gets presented all these food challenges. I don't know. He may go to like a couple of restaurants, I think, before the big food challenge, if I remember. 
and d- does like a similar theory thing where he like hangs out with the kitchen staff and he learns like what the specialties are there. But yeah, he gets forced to like eat like twenty pounds of huevos rancheros or something like that. And the he- seventy-two ounce steak at the big. <sighs> the Texan. seventy-two ounce steak at the big Texan. He did the uh, the big breakfast burrito challenge at Don oh. uh, Julio's, I think, in, in Austin, and. Uh, Anyway, it's it's a lot of fun. I really like the host. He seems like such a nice guy, very chill, very funny. Like he does all these sketches in between his the scenes of the show where he's dressed up as a pirate and he has like a a ketchup and mustard container and he's like fighting off other pirates with ketchup and mustard. Um, but it's always funny when he's like when you see him like suffering from. <laughs> that's uh, that's eating that food. would be like, dude, just fucking like man up, like take a bong hit and go after that pizza like you're gonna be okay like people have sur- i guess that's the n- thing you have to keep in your mind someone has probably survived this so potentially i'm okay i just right have to destroy my body in the process repeatedly but well you I know it was it. just july 4th and the hot dog eating contest was canceled because of weather right weather oh. my understanding it went back on but i think it canceled it again because it's like okay we're good now and then another thunderstorm came or they something canceled like that. it they brought it back on they brought them back out i i joked that like they already you know the buns the whole thing they soaked the buns anyway then he tweeted <laughs> Or someone tweeted a picture of him, a quote saying, we're going to do this fucking thing, get everyone back in here. And then he won. But a story came out about that man, about his net worth. I thought that was just sad. Oh, can you can you share it with us, please? Four million dollars. He is worth four million dollars. But I thought that was low because he's been a notable person in America for like 20 years now. Like He's yeah. won every single one of these competitions he's been in. So, like, I don't know. I'm just surprised... That doesn't equate to, I don't know. Well, I also saw that it's because um, apparently, like, what you win at the contests is, like, 20 grand. Oh. Oh, I really didn't think that. I thought, okay. (laughs) No, and what what you're essentially relying on is sponsorship. Oh. So you're hoping that you, I guess, then score a sponsorship deal with, like, you know... Uh, Oscar Mayer hot dogs and you're going to be in a commercial like take it for me this is my favorite dog yeah or they make a commercial where like he's Nathan he's the actual see, Nathan of the dogs but see here's the thing like okay so you're in one meat commercial okay you can't be in a competitor's commercial so you've probably signed like an exclusivity clause that like oscar meyer is your meat or whatever right so then maybe you have a bun option so Mm. maybe you're like wonder bird okay that's actually Um, interesting can he compete in other hot dogging or does he have to have just the nathan's that's probably it he's probably like locked into nathan's only See, and so that's the other one. Like, would he also be able to, like, let's say, do Wiener Schnitzel? But do you know what he hasn't realized? That this puts him in a unique position to be the person who legitimates uh, under tier food eating competitions. By becoming the champion, he legitimizes the entire operation. I mean, I guess so, but I guess this is different than poker, right? Is it? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, 
Uh, it is to me, know. but is it to I, the I, world I, I of still food don't competition know how many followers? Are, like clamoring to make millions on eating. I hope dogs. no one is. Like I feel like it's like one of those jobs that like kids make up. Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they're like, hot dog tester. Do you think Joey Chestnut, after finishing his and winning his first? Uh, competition was like and they they asked him immediately for following do you want to do 19 more of these in a row and he's like do you think he wants to say yes i think it was like all right we'll make you an offer you can't refuse if you really want sponsorship you're gonna have to sign on to like six of these a year and then gotta, he's like and like essentially like you gotta shovel some dogs like indentured servitude or whatever you gotta drink some of that bun slop you make <laughs> in the water cups <laughs> He like has to live in the wiener mobile. <laughs> he does. It's the only. It's the only path forward. They've 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 brought him to a place where he's completely subservient on hot dog based <laughs> promotion. <laughs> like and now he owes them so much money for yeah. some <laughs> It's like uh, one of the tours that like Motley Crue went on when they're. <laughs> <laughs> they make no money by the end because they spend it all hot dogging around. It's like, hold on, another Joey So, like, you may know me for my hot dogs, but what you may not know is that I also know bacon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he holds up some some bacon wrapped dogs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a. <cl> <laughs> <laughs> he like, found like, a loophole. Really, really reaching for like other ways to expand like hot yeah. dog sponsorship. So. Yeah, he needed Hormel to get in on the. Yeah. Just... <laughs> oh lord. I um. Oh. You watch any movies this week? <laughs> I mean, so beyond uh, the asteroid city, and the diners, dives in and <laughs> dive in. Mm. <clears throat> See, she shells. She <laughs> beyond the asteroid city and the diners, divins, and drives. No, because we've just been like, oh, we have all these like fucking bullshit things to go do. Which actually, yeah. I think maybe we even do have to like start scurrying along. Yeah. So many, so many last-minute uh, exciting details to handle. Very exciting, Brian. It's yeah, no. Exciting. It sucks to end this, so this is a lot of fun. Yeah, no, yeah. it's really yeah. fun. No, please. Yeah. So did I mean? But you, have you watched anything this this? Oh week? yes, uh, I have watched. Um, well, I started another movie, but I guess we'll talk about. Uh, I want to talk about Paris is Burning, just because Ooh. I think it's like one of the most reality issues kind of like movies. Yeah, well, well, let's let's give ourselves let's give ourselves a few minutes with it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell us, what was your what was your impression of it? Um, that I wish I'd seen it a long time ago. For number one, um, also though, like it seems like for it to not be considered like some kind of foundational element of documentary, like I don't feel like it's been established or communicated to the world that this is like. Not just influential in the documentary world, but it's actually like I feel like a lot of those threads of ideas that have come from there are like not just in living in today's world, but also like like so many concepts originate 
probably in the public mind palace like from like terminology words even or from like that film and to me that makes it so insanely significant um but like even the concept the how about this i'll even comment on the filmmaking itself the way that the film was made and broken up into like different vignettes i think like worked extremely effectively at like almost fitting the topic at hand like talking about different like categories self-categorization and then even what the film would then dictate like you know how it's showing all of those different categories off and how it's representing even though i don't know who the filmmaker is specifically but i feel like that even knowledge of that would affect like how i saw like it all edited and stuff um yeah i don't know there's a lot to talk about there but the word realness i think is the thing to take away the most to talk about the film itself the content of the film um do you think that I think it's shown me that anyone can perform as anything in a much simpler way than like it doesn't it's not very complicated. In fact, I think a lot of our understanding of how to perform at all, like living through the world or anything, is actually like accidentally learned in a way. Well, I think that's why they're also called role models, right? Role models. Uh, they're like, like something about the acting, something about the like, here's what a teacher act, acts like, right? Here's what a cop acts like. Here is what a nurse acts like. Here is what um, the, the ice cream man, uh, you know, like. The military aspect, the military vignette, I thought was like mm -hmm. super, like, because that really, mm -hmm. I was like, that sold it to me. That was like, yeah. now I fully understand mm -hmm. this concept. I get it now. Yeah, I understand well, yeah, what how they're would saying. A military dude act? Yeah. As a, as a military dude. Yeah. Dude, you know. They sh they demonstrated it so well in that scene. So and it's only an 80 minute film. So I highly suggest that anyone at home outside of this go consume that um, if you can. It's on Max. HBO is now Max. If you haven't heard. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we watched Great Garden. Speaking of the like foundations of the genre. Uh, because oh, Tyler yeah. hadn't seen uh, Grey Garden. Oh wow, that's a you know familiar with the premise. I saw the you know the the spoof uh, that uh, you know Fred Armisen and uh, Bill Hader did with the documentary Now, and I thought it was hilarious. But um, what that that's like a comedic goldmine. Like I feel like it is so funny. I yeah watch it and to, the fact that they're related to uh, Jacqueline Onassis is like. Uh, yeah incredible uh, and not just like loosely related to her the like the 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 matriarch like the older woman is like literally her aunt mm -hmm. and uh i don't i don't know what goes on in new england but I, watching that movie i feel like i now know everything i need to know about new england um <laughs> like new uh, england uh politics of history yeah 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 how, how it works how the how it, why we have rfk jr now yeah, where did exactly. that power structure come from that built that, that he is now looked at and represented the way that he is today? Yeah, wow, like, I never made the uh, RFK that, like, chain in the of, Great Gardens, but it all makes sense yeah. now. Well, we'll take um, a look into that for sure. Yeah. Paris's Burning is great, and I, I should rewatch it. And like, It strongly affected me. I like cried a lot 
while watching it, I don't know, every 15 minutes I was like pausing it and crying and trying to like it, yeah. figure out what I the fuck was happening with me at the moment. <laughs> I did. I knew what was happening to me before I didn't have to figure it out, but it was, uh, it was quite shit. Like it was affecting. I remember it being really emotional mostly just because of the uh, presence of uh, AIDS in the mm. scene and how they would I remember a few comments on it that were like pretty haunting but again like I think I saw that movie a little blitzed out of my mind in like you know 2010 and I haven't seen it since yeah and well that's how I watched everything before about two years ago so <laughs> so do you remember the character in parent I say character the person in Paris is burning the like older uh queen yeah. Uh, uh, who's very like, oh, yes. you know, real like, and describes the before times. And... Uh, do you know what happened in their story down the line? How their life, because um, they're they're clearly in the film like alive and well, and they're just part of the crew. They're not. We don't see them uh, pass away throughout the course of the creation of the film. Right. Uh, they don't pass away until I think like fifteen years from the end of the movie. Okay. Um. But as a and I don't remember the person's name. I, I we should look it up just now. But uh, do you know how their their story ends? No, not at all. Let me. Um... Yeah, you should look it up, and then you should uh, once you once you find their name, find the like Wikipedia article. It's okay. gonna be worth it. Screen share. You should read it because if on. you don't know this story, and I, I want yeah. Yeah, let me paste this first. I'm gonna. Because we I'm start to get into real reality issues here. Okay. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna tweet this out. Okay. This is an image. Um, I'm gonna type in. Uh, can I just copy this? Yeah. Um, triple. Okay. There we go. Tweet. Keep getting texts about the wedding. I'm sorry, it's been kind of distracting today. No, no it's no okay. worries. I got a text earlier too. It's okay. Um, oh, I see the triple GTA. There you go. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that's what came out. <laughs> okay, I like the one in the bottom left corner. With yeah. the... <laughs> He's like holding a uh, an AI <laughs> constructed thing. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Some kind of a whisk weapon is what I initially thought it was. Okay, so um, yeah, let me look that up. Yeah, let me see. Yeah, right let me see if I can even let's see if we can find their names first. Okay. Dorian Corey. Yes. Okay. We're gonna go to Dorian Corey's Wikipedia. Okay. Go ahead and share that, Brian. Okay. Let me click. Okay. Uh, Dorian Corey was an American drag performer and fashion designer. She appeared at Wigstock and was featured in Jane Livingston's 1990 documentary, Paris is Burning. Oh, actually, there's. I do want to. Oh. Okay. Corey was born in Buffalo, New York to Franklin Legg and Mary Fox Clark out of wedlock, though they later married in October 18, 1947. Dorian was assigned male at birth, but later realized that she was a trans woman. Raised on a farm in Buffalo, Dorian began performing in drag when leaving the city of Buffalo. In the 1950s, Corey worked as a window dresser at 
Hengers and then moved to New York City to study art at Parsons, which is a respected school if I know. In the 1960s, Corey toured as a snake dancer in the Pearl Box Review, a cabaret drag act. She was one of four performers who appeared in the 1972 Pearl Box Review LP, Call Me Mr. Corey founded the House of Corey, which holds over 50 grand prizes from Vogue Balls. She was a mother to Angie Extravaganza, who was featured in the film Paris is Burning. Yes. Corey also ran and designed a clothing label called Corey Design. At one point, Corey's act involved her wearing a 30 by 40 foot feather cape. Once she shed her costume down to a sequin of body stocking, two attendants raised the cape up on poles to produce a feathered tent that covered half the audience. On August 29th, 1993, Corey died of AIDS-related complications at uh, Columbia Presbyterian in Manhattan at the age of 56. Corey's remains were scattered in the waters off of City Island in New York. Corey's legacy remains as one of importance to the drag and ballroom communities and her particular importance in the development of voguing as a cornerstone of New York ballroom culture is venerated and memorialized in the modern day. Corey is remembered by fans, friends of her family, for her simple philosophy that everyone wants to make an impression, some mark upon the world. You don't have to bend the whole world. I think it's better to just enjoy it. Pay your dues and just enjoy it. If you shoot an arrow and it goes real high, hooray for you, as she said in the film. Next section. Robert Worley Controversy. After Corey's death, the preserved body of Robert Worley, also known as Robert Wells, was found amongst her belongings. It appeared that he had died from a gunshot wound to the head. He was last seen by his family in 1968. Investigators determined the body to have been dead for approximately 25 years, with speculation that Worley had potentially been an abusive ex-lover of Corey, that Corey may have shot him in self-defense during a lover's quarrel, or that he may have been shot during attempted burglary. Abuse perpetrated against transgender people by the Bronners was a common occurrence among New York's trans community at the time. In Pose, transgender house mother Electra, who was secretly working as a dominatrix in a BDSM club, discovers one of her clients has died from an overdose in her private dungeon. She enlists the aid of other characters to transport, mummify, and hide the body in a trunk. Producer and director Janet Mock confirmed on Twitter that Our Lady J based the anthology melodrama on Corey. And I've heard a similar story. There's, there's an interestingly similar story about the person who created Earth Day. Are you aware of this? No. Earth Day creator and murderer? Mm-hmm. It's very kind of them. Set our, set their watches to that. They probably have like uh, some kind of a counter, an auto counter. <laughs> some nerd has set up like some weird script there. If we were to go uh, in and see, it's kind it of is. locked. Is you see how it's no, kind it's, of locked? That's probably John. why. It's probably because it's got some weird script and they don't want us to fuck with it. It's not John which is wise. They probably don't want someone to, like, vandalize the Wikipedia Earth Day with, like, Earth Day is woke. <laughs> I gotta find this. this is, yeah, it's it's totally, this is, um, this, there was an entire uh, This American Life about it. We'll find it. Yeah. We'll find it. Okay, well. Anyway. 
So we're gonna go bury some bodies. Yeah, yeah, and I'll 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 leave my uh, spiritual awakenings for perhaps the next time. Well, <laughs> in the meantime, though, like I mean, certainly um, Pose is a really good show if you never watched it. Mm -hmm. I'll check that um, out. On I believe it's on Criterion. There is another film that um, also depicts some folks in the trans community in New York. Um, it's called The Salt Mines. That one's also really mm. good. Yes, I remember. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, uh, I mean, certainly, I mean, and those are kind of older films. Um, of course, uh, anything on a Criterion collection could probably, you know, again, also set your watch to. I, I myself am pretty ignorant on that shit, personally. I feel like I, I, I know, like, about this much about, like, queer cinema. Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like um, if I were to know more about it, like, I feel like there'd be a bunch of stuff from criterion that would be like a good start yeah that was like a that was a film that really like fucked me up so i yeah i don't know it's like it made me think like not only about like what is identity in general but like what the fuck is even the point of describing it or like at that point then like yeah do whatever you want but then like what is even i don't know like who is who performing to be what who is who pretending to be what at any given moment like how how am i pretending am i not just being isn't that really what acting is is like being what is described on the page and so is not doing that all the time yeah i can recommend the films of uh, greg araki or like if you want queer cinema i feel like his films don't deal with the, the trans uh, the trans community as, as much as and we watched Mystery Skin last week, mm. which I've seen a few times, and it's an incredible film. It has a uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, Mary Lynn Lynn uh, Radcube, um, a few, uh, Elizabeth Shue. But anyway, it's about this kid who gets molested by or like sexually assaulted by his uh, uh, baseball coach um, when he's like eight years old. But he goes on to become this hustler in a small town, Kansas. And he's well known as community is well liked, but he ends up moving to New York City. And uh, there's another uh, kid who he grew up with. That the film kind of focuses on too, who's obsessed with alien abductions. He's convinced he's been abducted by aliens. And then we find out what actually happens to him. And it's it's a really emotional movie. It's beautiful. It also has an incredible like shoegaze soundtrack. So it's kind of like hip. Okay. Uh, but it's it's on. I mean, if you have Criterion, the Criterion Channel, it's on there. But I can't recommend his films enough. A lot of his movies are like party films. What's the like? He, write did, it the, down he now. did the Doom Generation, which is kind of like this post uh, Pulp Fiction film. But there's a lot of queer characters in it. Um, oh, Party Monster with Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. Oh, you like that movie? Well, I'm just saying that. It, I mean, I mean, first of all, it depicts like the the. Uh, club kid culture of like what like late 90s mid to late yeah. 90s new york yeah um and he was uh michael alig was another one of those folks who was uh who was notorious for uh the murders he committed and he happened to be like part of the like queer and like club kid community right so like everyone else is like dropping molly and trying to like have orgies and he's like let me murder someone right like yeah. it's why they like hence the party monster 
I remember there was also a really good write-up of the whole deal in Rolling Stone. It's interesting it's a long the time of that ago. guy, for sure. Um, and with that, like, Velvet Goldmine by Todd Haynes is, like, the, uh, the glam rock uh, ci- gay Citizen Kane. In fact, it, like, follows Citizen Kane almost to the T. Well, that's really but funny. It, Interesting. It has, like, it's the only time you'll get to see uh, uh, what's, you and McGregor have sex with Christian Bill. Um, wow. That's a promise? That, that, that literally happens in the movie. So. <laughs> that, that won't happen again? No. I mean, well, I mean, so you hit rewind, and then you just watch it again, and then it happens again. Yeah, and Ewan McGregor plays, uh, like, basically Iggy Pop, but Jonathan Rhys-Meyer plays, like, a David Bowie kind of figure, but mm-hmm. it's a it's an incredible piece of filmmaking. It's very ambitious. It's technically, it's amazing. All those things are true, too. Yeah, and, like, when you compare it to Party Monster, like, Velvet Goldmine's like a work of art, and Party Monsters is kind of like this movie you get drunk to on. A yeah, that's night. totally why you should move Velvet Goldmine to the top of the list. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just I don't know. I'm a nerd. I wanted to be a a, a filmmaker growing up, and Velvet Goldmine was like, oh, that's like I want to make that kind of movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but whatever. I'm too truly zen now. So, anyway. No, it's. I'm uh I have a list of films I want to go watch now. So it's cool. But we've got time. You're going to be on a plane. Mm-hmm. Here soon. <laughs> yeah, no, we can't true. wait to have you. Yeah, it's going to be wild. It's going to be wild. It's going to be wild. We have to so anyway, speaking of, we're going to go finish these random stupid things we got to finish and uh yeah. Okay. So we'll end the recording here. Yeah. And, uh... Hold on. Yeah, do you have any... Out- Music fades in. And so, we draw the curtains on yet another exciting episode. An exploration that saw us voyage through the landscapes of marriage, romance, relationships, pizza, and realness. This was episode 58, season 5, episode 9. And I am your host, Obama, with the power of the Chaos Emeralds. We had the pleasure of being joined today by a new companion on our journey, Tyler. Kathy's soon-to-be husband. Tyler, thank you for your insightful observations and engaging contributions. Your debut on our show was a breath of fresh air, adding a unique perspective to our eclectic mix. Your observation of our show being a prime entertainment choice for the occasional stoner in particular resonated with our narrator's secret preferences for alternative entertainment in clandestine locales. As we close this chapter, we invite you, our dear listeners, to reflect on the themes we've explored today. The complex dance of relationships, the universality of pizza, the quest for authenticity in a world of constructed realities, these are the threads that weave the tapestry of our shared human experience. We hope our conversations have offered you a fresh perspective, a nugget of wisdom, or at least a moment of reprieve from the hustle of daily life. Before we bid you farewell, we have a humble request. If you've enjoyed our journey today, we invite you to share this experience with your friends. But remember, Recommend us to those who you believe would appreciate the roller coaster of knowledge, exploration, and humor that our show offers. Because each new listener, each new companion, adds another vibrant thread to the tapestry we're collectively weaving. Thank you for joining us today. Your companionship fuels our quest for knowledge and understanding. As we venture onwards, we look forward to many more shared experiences, layered conversations, and slices of pizza. 
Until next time, stay real, stay curious, and never stop exploring. Music swells and fades out. Oh, 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 oh,